Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Uri here. And it is just another Sunday evening in the off season. Hope you guys had a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good weekend. How about you? I've been kind of addicted to the the Harley Quinn's TV show on HBO Max, I'm not gonna lie. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen a few episodes. It's pretty good stuff. Um, Uriah, how, how have you been? Not bad. I have to tell you about my dream. Oh, that's right. You did have a dream. <laughs> all right, so first of all, I'm not a nap person. All right, I hate taking naps because when I wake up, usually from a nap, I'm irritated and, I don't know, I'm just not in a good mood. Also, when I usually take naps, I have weird dreams. So I had a dream that the Utah Jazz were playing – the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA Finals, the Utah Jazz won four games to two. Mm. So that, I guess that's not so odd. The odd thing is that I was watching it in the house of the McAllister family from Home Alone. That's what made the dream very weird. I don't, I barely remember that house, but that, yeah, you know what? We all have weird dreams like that sometimes. I dream a lot about me either my grandpa's house or like my old church crazy who knows maybe maybe it's prophetic that's what i was gonna say should i put money on the jazz in the (laughs) offseason well it depends who was still on the team was donovan mitchell still on the team actually you know what i do remember him in the dream um i think it was a blowout win in the the closing game at home in utah was it this year or was it like this upcoming season or was it like probably in the upcoming season I mean, you could always put money down on it, though I don't condone, you know, betting, but that's your personal choice, I, not mine. If I put money out and I win, I'll, I'll share it with you guys. Oh, you guys care, you, care, you guys care about my dreams and my naps. Well, you, you know, you, you are such a sweetheart. Thank you so much. <laughs> but let's get into Sixers basketball, not dream basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Joel Embiid for a little bit. Um, in his recent press conference after the draft, Daryl Morey had a few things to say, though not many, about uh, Joel Embiid's knee injury. He said, quote, we are not concerned about him medically at all. said that he's been working out, you know, that they have a plan, but didn't really go into specifics. Why is that, Lucas? Do you think there's a reason behind him not, you know, coming out right and saying, hey, he's not getting surgery or, hey, he is getting surgery? Do you think there's a reason for the ambiguity there? I mean, maybe part of it is, and he – you know, iterated this several times in that post press, uh, the post draft press conference because I watched it. That he's only focused on the rookies. He wasn't, you know, the players that they just drafted. He wasn't really trying to get into anything else. 
Um, so maybe he just wanted to keep it short, sweet with Joel, but you know, there, there might be something there. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a bad thing to say whether or not he's getting surgery or not. I mean, it's meniscus tear. You, you either get it or you try to play through it. Um, he can play through it, especially if it's a small micro tear. Um, you know, if it's a small micro tear, it might not, I, I mean, outside of him losing a little bit of lift, but that could be attributed to poor conditioning as well. I mean, did we really see a big drop off from Joel's, you know, performance in the playoffs for the most part? No, no. So I mean, it might it might not be a it's, it might be like one of those micro tears um, that does happen with the meniscus sometimes, where you just get a micro tear and you can live on like nothing even happened, but it doesn't feel comfortable like the first couple of weeks. Um, we'll see what happens though. He could get surgery. He could not. It just. Surgery is definitely going to keep him out. I believe what is it? Minimum six weeks, six to eight weeks. So yeah, season doesn't start start until October. So if he's going to do it, best time would be now. But I mean, there's no rush either. So yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, we're practically no GM is like forthright with injury information. Pretty much every injury report ever is about as vague as a team can make it. So I think that's kind of just par for the course um, with Embiid specifically. I think pretty much everything I read about the injury is that depending on how small or large the tear is and where it is, you may or may not need surgery. So I, I assume if he needed surgery, he would have gotten it by now. I don't see why they would wait this long. Um, th- I mean, we can speculate about like Embiid disagreeing with the you know, medical staff or something, but that's just pure speculation. There's no reason to think that's a problem. So if I had to guess, he probably doesn't need surgery. He did play and look just fine in the in the playoffs. You know, I think, I I think pretty much every injury report is vague, so I'm I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. I think you make a good point there, Chris. We'll we'll just, I think it's a wait and see, but honestly, on a scale of one to 10, I'm like two or three right now. I'm not that concerned. Yeah, I'm not worried at all, but more on Embiid, Lucas. Let's talk about where he's at mentally right now. Obviously, the Sixers were pretty disappointing in how they went out last season, a second-round defeat to the fifth-seeded Hawks. Not where we thought they were, not where they wanted to be. What do we think Embiid's message was to management after getting eliminated? Do you think he was just kind of quiet, you, you know, indifferent, let Maury do what Maury's going to do? Do we think he made demands was was you know upset uh, what, what do we think Embiid's at especially like we can talk about Ben Simmons do last season the whole narrative all year was that Ben and Joel have never been closer off the court at least where do we think Joel might fall in that like, like where do we think Joel is mentally right now I mean I, I would imagine he'd be upset because he's playing through an injury and you know nobody is happy when they put their body out online and they come up short, especially when he put every he literally left everything out on the court because there were at least two games where he just didn't have it at the end because he played so much. Can't blame him for that because I mean a little bit of conditioning, but at seven feet, two hundred and eighty some odd pounds, probably two hundred seventy, two hundred eighty pounds, like you can't expect him to be playing forty plus minutes a night. That's just on a on a bad knee on top of that. So I would imagine that he's upset. Uh, Joel has never made public demands before. The closest thing we've ever gotten to see him being upset was when he 
quote unquote called out Ben Simmons at the end of the year. And I know that you don't like using that term because he called himself out too, but he did, he did, he did call out Ben on a certain level. And I mean, do we know what happens behind closed doors? No, I certainly don't. Attention Sixers fans across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a grooming problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with a brand new lawnmower 4.0. Thanks to the Manscaped trimmer, your astronaut helmets will be nice and smooth, and they'll feel like they're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job. With the fourth generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade, you'll reduce grooming accidents due to their advanced skin safe technology. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, that's manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. I think if they asked Joel what he thought, he would tell them, but I don't think he's the type of guy that goes to management and says, I want this, this, and this. That doesn't seem like his personality type. But if they asked him what he would want, I think he would tell them. So if they asked him, do you want to continue playing with Ben? I think he would be honest about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we at some point, I'm sure once the Ben trade goes down, we'll get more information on exactly what has been going on behind the scenes that's typically you know typically when that kind of stuff comes out um and until then we're kind of flying in the dark but you know last offseason joel has said himself that he pretty much just told management to get more shooters um so he, he clearly hasn't been the most like demanding specific superstar as far as who he wants on the team and where um but this this team is not as broken as last season's team you know all the bin trouble aside they're they were the number one seed still. Um, and like you said, like Joe, Doc Rivers called Ben out in a much more real way than Joe did. I, if anyone called Ben out and like threw him under the bus and put him in a spotlight, it was Doc Rivers, not Joel. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'd be interested to know where that relationship is right now. It's very clear that Ben and the organization are ready to move on. But yeah, I, I think that's about all we can say on it right now. So you got to consider uh, Embiid was here first, Ben was drafted after, and for the past four years, they've said all the right things you know, in front of the camera. And on the court, I think they had really good chemistry in the past couple of years. But if you look at that one play, the defining moment, probably in the tenure of Ben Simmons when he passed up that dunk, if you look at Embiid's response, and it's if you go on YouTube, it's just like a 10-second focus on him. The exasperation in his body language tells me everything. Even Seth Curry did the same thing. He kind of threw his hands up like, what are you doing? So I wouldn't be surprised, Lucas, like you said, that he, if he's asked privately, he would definitely give him an honest answer. And I'm talking about Daryl Morey. Like, well, hey. I, I do think it's like important to know that he also like gapped Ben up on the way back down the court. And I was like, hey, it's like they interacted right after that. I mean, I'm sure he was being a good teammate, too, though. I mean, yeah. Usually, Chris, your initial reaction is your most genuine reaction. Well, I think everyone had that reaction, but does that mean he, like, despises Ben Simmons? And... I don't think he despises I him. Yeah, he doesn't seem he like... He despises the... him either. 
I just think there might be a slight amount of resentment based on the comment that he made, even though he did revert back to himself, like I could have played better. But like Lucas said, he literally put his his health on the line to try and catapult the Sixers beyond that series. And one of the biggest disappointments was Ben Simmons. So I don't think he resents him, Chris. I'm not saying that. I just think that I wouldn't be surprised if Embiid was more vocal about the situation with Ben. Yeah, like, do I think Embiid's cool with moving on from Ben at this point? For sure. Like, I, I don't think he's asking to keep Ben around or anything. Uh, but yeah. yeah, beyond that, I we probably just don't know. But while we're talking about Ben, let's talk about a favorite, you know, hypothetical trade uh, target with Ben in mind, and that would be Damian Lillard. Stephen A. Smith of ESPN recently went on SiriusXM and said that the New York Knicks would be the number one destination for Lillard because of New York's big market. Chris, are the Knicks real contenders for Lillard, or do the Sixers have a better shot at him at this point? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, when was the last time Stephen A. Smith quote-unquote reported something that, like, actually held water? I mean, if we're being honest, he, he's not Woj. Um, so I, I don't know how much I would read into that. He's obviously a New York guy, too. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Lillard, could he want New York because it's New York and players want to go to New York? And I'm like, sure. I, I, I believe the general hypothesis. I don't think it's out, like outside the realm of possibility. But... And and I'm sure Lillard will like try to force Portland's hand wherever he goes. I he's not going to get traded to Minnesota, you know. And I think Portland would acquiesce to that too, just because of what he's done for the franchise. Yeah, look, well. if he like says I want to go to New York and only New York, then he's probably going to end up in New York. But that doesn't seem like the case, just from the general feel of it right now. Like if he asked out, it seems like there would be multiple teams in the running, and that he would be open to multiple contenders. Uh. Stephen A, I believe, also said something about like recruiting free agents in the future. You know, like Tatum and Joel, and like, like he could just join Joel in Philly right now. Wouldn't have to recruit them. Obviously, Philly isn't the same market as New York, and there's a certain allure to Madison Square Garden and all that. But I, I feel like if Philly had the better trade package, which they very much do, they'd be the favorites there. Um, other teams have better trade packages too. We can talk about New Orleans and, and whoever, but New York doesn't have a ton of like appetizing draft capital right now. RJ Barrett isn't like someone you're going to build a game package around, is it? You know, I, I just don't know if New York yeah. is is the best option there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's two different Stephen A. Smiths. There's Stephen A. Smith, the objective you know, analysis guy. And then there's Stephen A. Smith, the New York fan. He, he, you know, he hates Dallas Cowboys fan, but he embodies that when it comes to the Knicks, especially. So, yes, New York is a bigger market, but that's all that the Knicks have right now. They don't have the draft equity. Yes, they have, what, another first-round pick from the uh, Mavericks, and that's that's it, right? Uh, You don't want to throw in a trade with – R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, because those are the guys that you're trying to build around. Like, and there are other guys, Emmanuel Quickly, okay, good player. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, okay, good player. 
but that's not anything close to what Ben Simmons is. Uh, you know, you mentioned New Orleans having a better package. Yeah, they probably could, you know, put together a better deal if they wanted to. Um, even though they sent one of their future first round picks to to the Memphis Grizzlies recently. The bet the, the, the two teams that can offer the best deals is the Pelicans and the Sixers. Yeah, New Unless, York New York doesn't really have anything to give up. The only exactly thing, the only thing Portland would probably take in return is their best player. They had, I think, he got most improved player, and mm-hmm. Julius Randle is. That's why would why would they give him up? Because they don't have anybody. Everybody else on the next stinks. Yeah, no offense. Look, like yeah. New York could try to do what Brooklyn did and just give up every pick and pick swap possible, and you know RJ quickly. At some point, you're getting to at least a reasonably interesting package. And if Dame wants to go to New York and he like vocally says that. Then yeah, the Knicks can get him. I mean, he can force his way there. I, uh, for sure. But like, if it's an open playing field and he has other teams on his list, is New York like the running favorite? Hmm. I, I I doubt it. Well, I mean, let's to, like single out New York as the team he wants to go to. I mean, let's be real. Outside of the Pelicans and Sixers, I mean, maybe the Hawks, but Haw- Young and Lillard don't make any sense no way. in a backcourt to get together because that's the same issue there. Um, but let's, I mean, I guess you can throw in the Thunder, but they wouldn't. They don't want to be in that sweepstakes right now. Um, I mean, who really has the assets to go get Damian Lillard besides the Sixers? I mean, the Boston, Boston could do something. I, I mean, if they Brown. want, if they want to get rid of Brown, but I wouldn't. I'd rather. Well, they keep... don't have to want to get rid of him. It's Dame Lillard. I mean, that's just. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you Brown is. I mean, obviously, he's not the MVP level. I mean, I don't know. I would be hesitant to give up Brown because he's still developing. Like he could still get better. Yeah, but crazy. Like, Lillard's a top ten player in the league, and you put him next to Tatum, he's probably top fifteen ish. You're maybe the favorites in the East next to Brooklyn. Like, Okay. So we're really only saying two teams have better packages than the Sixers right now. I don't even know if it's a better package per se, but there, there are other teams who will be in the race. I don't think Philly's like a shoe in. Oh they... no, I'm not saying that Philly is like, I, I content, I, you know, I concede that the Pelicans have a legit shot and I, you know, I wouldn't do it if I was Boston, but you know, who knows what Brad Stevens is going to do. Um, yeah. Which we'll talk about shortly, actually. But um, no, I mean, we'll. I mean, unless unless the Lakers do the ultimate heist and fl- uh, flip, you know, Russell Westbrook from Dame Lillard halfway through the season. I mean, I don't see how this is happening. Alrighty, um, let's talk about some former Sixers who maybe don't have the best reputation in Philly at this point. Um, both Josh Richardson and Al Horford have been traded to Boston this offseason. Richardson was just traded the other day um, for Moses Brown in a deal that clears some cap space for Dallas. They took him into their $11 million roughly trade exception. He will join a team that may or may not be able to re-sign Evan Fournier. It seems like there's some distance between Fournier and the Celtics as far as the deal goes at this point. So Richardson may end up being a starter. He may end up being the sixth man. We will have to wait and see. But 
Lucas, right off the bat, what what do you think Boston's motivation is here? What what are they thinking? Obviously, those two didn't work out very well in Philly. Uh, Boston is a very different team, very different roster. But what what's the allure there? Why why are they going after Richardson? Well, let me first start off with Al Horford because that's the easy one. It's clear that Brad Stevens saw some of the best success as head coach of the Celtics when he had Al Horford. So bringing Al Horford back as a stabilizing, you know, veteran in the locker room, as well as a playmaker, because they need playmakers outside of Tatum and Brown, because they don't have that right now. So having a playmaking center who can stretch the floor and is still decent defensively um, is a solid win for them with Horford. And then with, with Richardson, they needed more perimeter defense outside of, you know, those Two plus Marcus Smart, they had zero perimeter defense and zero shot creation on the perimeter. I mean, well, well, once Evan Fournier got traded there, but I mean, let's be real. Outside of those three, who was a plus defender on that perimeter well, for for the Tatum Celtics? Tatum is like an All NBA defender, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that he's not, but I'm saying outside of those three, Chris, those Tatum, three that Brandon, I just, Smart, I mean, yeah, you have three good wing defenders, what, but you can't play you them all. You need you need to have multiple good ones marcus smart is gonna that's be more defended. than the sixers have the sixers have like ben and matisse and danny um, i mean i think they wanted more shot creation i think they wanted more defense and i saw a quote on twitter and i forget who tweeted it but somebody was saying the idea behind getting richardson was they liked uh he played his best as like a backup point guard for the heat and that's what they kind of have in mind no, for him no 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 that was keith smith that that was like his own personal opinion. That wasn't him. Okay. Oh, well, it was okay. My mistake. I know I saw yeah. that from somebody, but I mean I don't agree with that. I don't think that's his best role. But um, I mean, you get you do get salary. I mean you do get a playable wing in the playoffs with Richardson and Moses Brown. Honestly, they had a glutton as centers, and they were really invested in Ryan Williams. So bringing in Moses Brown was kind of like slapping him in the face. So you get off of you switch Brown into a you know a playoff rotational player and Richardson that's a win. I honestly thought they could have gotten more for Brown, but you know, that's, I, mean, I mean, first time GM. Yeah, look, I mean Richardson is still good enough to like contribute to a contender. I don't, I don't think he's quite as bad as Sixers Twitter would have you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like he's brutal. He has his flaws in certain areas. I'm not, I'm not saying he's like an all-world player, but he, he's not terrible. Um, for Boston, you're, you're again, you're giving up Moses Brown, who's a cool prospect and might might be a real player for, for a while, but he's your third-string center right now. You're trying to win games. Richardson does give you some extra defense on the perimeter. I, the, like, ball-handling point guard thing – that, that has never worked. Every time someone has thought, hey, maybe that'll work, that it, it really hasn't. Um, Except for the Heat. I don't know. Eric Spolstra, man. Yeah, I mean, it barely worked in Miami. Um, like, Boston already has trap makers and wing. Like, Brown, Tatum, Smart, all those guys can, like, dribble and create and pass and do stuff. So it's not like Richardson has to come in and play point. I, I don't think that's a real concern there. I, I think... Boston is probably a better fit for him than f- definitely Philly, but even maybe Dallas. Like I, I think that's a pretty good spot for him, whether he's coming off the bench or in the starting five. I what what makes worried. them different? Well, what makes Boston different than Dallas? 
Well, Dallas had a had a lot more Luca and no one else. It, it's Luca spraying the ball around. Like like Boston has multiple guys who can break down a defense and, and like get into the paint and do stuff. Okay. I see um, what you're saying now. Yeah. As far as the Al Horford thing, like he's sucked for two years in a row now. <laughs> he, he he's clearly not the player that he was when he left Boston. I I don't think he's gonna return to that magically. Like he he has fallen off athletically. Of course. In a real way. Like he he's not gonna turn in an all defense season next year. You know, knock on wood, I don't see it coming. I mean, he, but I think he'll be solid. He's still a, 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 a he's been like a so, bad defender for two years. I don't even know if he's solid. That that might be overstating it. Well, no, I'm saying I was going to say a starting caliber center still in the NBA. Yeah, like maybe. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Probably in Boston where he's had such a track record, but. And, you know, Ime Udoka, he was the head coach when both both players were in Philly. So, yeah. obviously, he has familiarity with those two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hor- uh, Stevens has familiarity with Horford already. So, yeah, like like on the surface, the Horford trade, the Richardson trade, like they make sense. They're they're reasonable. They're not bad moves or anything. It's somewhat funny, like just from Philly's perspective to see those two in Boston now. Um, like. Uh, they, they don't worry me. I'm not sitting here like, oh, the Celtics have Horford and Richardson. They're going to win the conference or anything. That, Do you think that, that, they, that those two trades make them better from last year? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't know. I, I Kimba was hurt a lot. The, it, it's tough to say. I, I really don't know with that team. Obviously, COVID hurt them too last year. Last season was such a weird year overall that it's kind of hard to – like peg anything down but if i had to guess they're probably not going to be the seven seed again i'd i'd be pretty confident saying they'll get better than that um where does boston rank in this hierarchy of the east next year i i I mean i think they're like the next tier down from the top right like i mean well i I don't even know where we rank right now because that depends on what we get for simmons yeah it's tough it's a mess well we'll Check back in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll talk about this once the Simmons trade happens. But I mean, you got to think that you know Milwaukee and New New uh, New Jersey, not New Jersey, Brooklyn, are at the top. The Sixers are even with Ben Simmons. They're still in that top tier. And then you go to the tier down. You got what Atlanta. You got Miami if they come back healthy because I don't think they were healthy when they got into the playoffs. Um, well, Philly, I think Philly is pretty clearly like the next tier down. You think even so? Though, even ahead of Atlanta. Like, I, you think Atlanta's ahead of them? Uh, probably not. Uh, like, okay. the Sixers were clearly a better team. They just wet the bed. Um, yeah. So, I I think the Sixers are number three still. Um, yeah, I would but, say uh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly. I'm going to say Atlanta next. Atlanta, Boston, Boston, yeah. Boston, Miami, Toronto. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with Toronto. That's that's a weird situation. I think Indy's probably next. Um, it, it, yeah, Rick Carlisle's going to write the ship there. And it looks like, if I if I had to guess, it looks like they're going to trade Sabonis. Uh, yeah, who knows? Um, Sabonis I, or Turner, one of them. At, at the end of the day, Lucas, like... We'll be able to do... Think... Sorry. No, go for it. I was just gonna say we can redo this after free agency. Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll revisit our rankings at some point. Um, yeah. So so Lucas, do you think Richardson and Horford would have done better 
in Doc Rivers' system? Do you think there was something specifically wrong with how Brett Brown used them? Or was it just a greater roster issue with Joel? Do you, do you think it's just it was just untenable based on fit? Or do you think it was like a coaching thing that Rivers maybe could have tweaked and, and improved? Well, can I say both and be right and be wrong at the same time? Like, okay, I think Richardson would have done better under Doc because I think Brett – Brett was a good coach, great guy, good coach. He deserves another another chance if he wants it in the NBA. Um, what I think happened with Richardson was that Brett just asked him to do too much. He asked him to do too much, and he wasn't healthy either. Neither was Horford that season. Neither one of them were healthy. Richardson had several major injuries, and I believe Horford had a lingering knee issue for most of the year too. Um and but with Horford, it's trickier because we said this a lot when that season was going on. Horford and Embiid by them can work. It's not impossible to make those two work. But Horford, Embiid, and Ben could not work. Just not enough shooting. And yeah. that 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 was the issue. So I don't think Doc could have fixed that issue because you know it's more of a personnel than a roster. You know. But, I mean, could he have given, you know, each player more defined roles like Richardson? Yeah. I think yeah. that uh, Doc could have done more for Richardson, but with Horford, it was just a roster construction thing. Yeah, I think they could have worked. Yeah, I think it was probably a roster construction thing for both of them. Like, Richardson's whole thing is that he can do some stuff off the dribble. He can hit some threes, and he defends the crap out of the ball. But the dude is not exactly a quick processor as far as like decision making with the ball and with with joe and ben especially you you need guys who make quick decisions who are are snappy with either their passes their shots their drives like like danny green and seth curry they'll catch and shoot that that's why they work so well they they don't dribble around they don't hammer it into the mid-range jumpers with 10 seconds on the shot clock they they make quick decisions they cut they pass they shoot and, and that's really the bulk of their skill set. That's why well, Tobias I mean, was so much better this year is because he made quicker decisions. with. The and ball. that was Doc Rivers. That was Doc what, Rivers. Was it? Or was it just Tobias getting better? That was that was Doc Rivers. He played the it. same way in L.A. that he did when Doc Rivers came to here. The only difference was, no, you know, it is fair. Uriah, back me up on this one. Look, Doc helped, obviously. But <laughs> Tobias clearly improved his game. Like, to say Doc is... No, I'm not saying that Tobias didn't improve his game. I'm saying that the way that Tobias processed the game is better when he has Doc Rivers as a coach because Doc Rivers is like, just make quick decisions, and that just isn't his game. One thing that did stand out that I I read somewhere, uh, I think it was what website. I, I don't know, but it was credible. If it wasn't credible, I would just swept it under the rug and forgot about it. But I do remember Tobias – being talked to about the difference between last year and this year, Brown versus Rivers. And someone asked him, uh, well, Rivers had said, yeah, you need to start going left more. And I think Brown never really tapped into that. Brown never really told him that was a strength. And that's something that Rivers noticed and encouraged him to do. So I think that aspect of his game, uh, yeah. Rivers brought up. Yeah. Like I, I think Rivers helped. I'm not saying he didn't, but to like, put Tobias's 
like career defining season in which he improved across the board to say that's all doc is i think a bit extreme no, I'm, I'm not saying that it's all doc i think that's, the majority of, of it go- to a coach I, that's proven to be pretty shaky in a lot of ways but um, you know what he's not shaky is is getting the best out of his players i guess I mean, Especially he, he within the role for the Hawks. I mean, but that okay. Ben, Ben is a. Uh, we he, can't hold Ben really against. Did, he got the worst season of Ben Simmons' career out of him. He, he did do that. Everybody else got the best, uh, but everybody else had the best season of. The, well, I mean, I'm not going to say Danny Green or Mike Scott because they're veterans, and Mike Scott should have retired at the end of last season. But okay, George Hill played his worst basketball in a while. He was coming Shake off had, an injury. Shake, Shake got worse, shooting the ball but not scoring. Like, like, Tobias and Ben both got a whole lot better, and I think that was in the Tobias and Ben, I, 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 Joe. Okay, Joel and Tobias both got a whole lot better, and the roster made a lot more sense. I think that's a lot of the story this season. I don't think all of it is like Doc working magic and getting the like. A lot of guys had pretty. The bench was really bad, and Ben was. Worse offensively than he has been his entire career. Like, like Doc. Well, I okay, but I think that was more by design for him not to take as many shots because Doc wanted Joel to be the focal point of the team, and it did, and got them the best regular season record. Granted, it didn't help in the playoffs, but that's that's another argument. But my my point still stands that I think you're not giving Rivers enough credit for Tobias's yeah well in in the end like my point being is that like Richardson and Horford were not quick enough decision makers and and good Horford's definitely Horford's definitely quick enough he's just not 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 when he's next to Joe and Ben and I mean but who playing out of position yeah he's playing playing a role just yeah he's playing a role that he's never played before he had to change the way he approaches the game entirely as opposed to Boston that was not like the Horford quick processing at the top of the key facilitating the guys' roles. That was Horford spotting it from three and like just just out of position, out of sync, not really sure what to do. That, that was not the same thing. It, it, Horford was not making the decisions he needed to make to make the offense work. So I, I don't think it, Rivers would have changed much. Like I don't trust Doc to even like bench Al Horford, do we think Doc makes that adjustment? Honestly, like, do we? Ooh. If we're being real with ourselves, do we think Doc benches Al for Shake? Well, can we talk? Okay, if we're talking about that, let's talk about the adjustment that Brett Brown wanted to make was to make Ben Simmons a power forward, and he never really got the chance to do that. If Ben played power forward in that playoffs, and let's just say they do beat the Celtics, what what happens then? Is Brett Brown still the head coach? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, it was just a terrible roster construction. I don't think Doc could have done much with that. Like, Doc is not one of the best coaches in the league. He's a good coach. He's not a great coach. And unless you have, like, a truly transcendent basketball mind, I don't think you're going to get much out of that roster, however you slice it. Even with Joe and Ben, like, you're clearly going to make the playoffs. Maybe even be a top four seed. But once you get to the postseason, I, I just don't think those two players in those roles was ever going to work. Um, especially with Al just like falling off a cliff. Um, you so, were a big Al Horford defender that season, by the way. Not during the season, before the season. I, I think I was an Al Horford defender. more than I, yeah, well, I, we, I, all, we all tried to talk ourselves into it. Here and there, <laughs> but I mean, I wasn't thrilled about it when it happened, but um, I don't think anyone was like, "Hey, Al Horford is playing great. 
he's just misunderstood. Well, like, no, I think he was injured. Actually, I know that he was injured because he had well, a, he got yeah. worse in OKC. So it's looks like it's going downhill at this point. Play, players don't play their best when they're on a bad team, especially veterans. So we have one other topic that we're going to talk about today, and these are our final thoughts about free agency. So on, we are recording Sunday, uh, August 1st, the eve before free agency starts. And just as a fun little exercise, we decided that each one of us is going to choose two free agents that they would like to sign with the Sixers. Uh, Uri will go first, Chris will go second, and I will go last. So Uri, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, the two free agents that I would love to see wearing Sixers jerseys next year, I would have to go with re-signing Danny Green. And I know last season, especially in the beginning of the season, when we started to realize how streaky he was, we were really, at least I was really rough on him. Uh, but he, we started to see his value as the season progressed. But I, I would love to see Green come back like Chris was talking about. He spot-up three-point shooter, was really consistent at certain points. Uh, I think he averaged the most three-point attempts in his entire career. I'm looking at it right now. He attempted six, 6.3. That's the most mm-hmm. he had ever attempted. And only averaged about nine and a half points. But he's that player that you need, as you saw in the, the Washington series. He really made a difference. And I think had he played against Atlanta, we might have we might have won that series. But the other player I would love to see the Sixers sign is Doug, Dougie McBuckets or Doug McDermott. He played in Indiana last year, and he had some career highs with points per game as well as uh, field goal percentage. He shot over 53%. And it just seemed like only playing 24 and a half minutes for Indiana, he found a really solid role. Now, will he resign with them? We don't know where he fits within what they're trying to do because they're thinking about moving some players. But those are the players that, that I would like to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much McDermott makes this offseason. You know, Philly only has the 5.9 million taxpayers mid-level. I I feel like he's going to make more than that, so it'd probably have to be a sign-and-trade. Like, I agree, George Chris. Hill. Yeah. I, I think George Hill makes a lot of sense there. Like, 10 million-ish seems about right for McDermott. And I, I would take McDermott over Hill at this point. I think that's a pretty fair thing to say after last season um you know indiana drafted chris duarte who can do some of the stuff that mcdermott did he's already a 24 year old as a rookie so they're probably banking on him contributing next year so i i, I like mcdermott a lot i think that's a good name my two names i'll start off with like kind of a wild card maybe not the best player philly could go after but a guy who i personally have some perhaps undeserved faith in and that's malik monk um Yes. Yeah, look, Monk has not had the greatest career up to this point. He's had some pretty rough years in Charlotte, but showed some improvement last season. Has He had some really standout games for the Hornets last season where he just came in off the bench and like went nuclear. Like That's always something he's been able to do is just have these big explosive outings where he takes over for 20 minutes and does unreal things. I liked Monk a lot at Kentucky, maybe too much, but as a guy who might be like going somewhere on a minimum contract, I know the Sixers have a lot of smallish guards at this point. You know, you have Maxi Springer, Seth, Danny, if he comes back, Ben's probably getting traded for a guard, George Hill, Shake Milton. Sixers have a, plenty of guards, but 
I wouldn't mind taking a chance on Malik. I, I think he's a real player. And, like, if he does hit, the Sixers could use a guy who just gets a lot of buckets on the bench. Uh, and that, that could be really useful. I think he's – I wouldn't be shocked if he's better than Shake at this point. I'm pretty low on Shake, as people who listen to the podcast know. I'm, I'm kind of out on Shake at this point. So I, I'd be interested in giving Malik a chance. Um, but, yeah, my, my next game – would be Jeff Green. Just Ooh, he, if he's nice available game. for six million, and he's like, "Hey, the Sixers are a contender, and they'll pay me, and Brooklyn won't for whatever reason," then I, I'd take Jeff Green. I think he's pretty great. Can guard a lot of positions, fit into different lineups, plays both sides of the ball, hits threes. There's just about everything you need there. So I'd be interested in Jeff Green. I don't know how likely that is. That might be a bit of a pipe dream, but I, I like Jeff Green. Yeah, um, I like both of yours, Chris. Uh, I really like the idea of Monk. I think you can have him on a minimum, like you said. Green, he could get the mid-level, but honestly, I think you said this um, off the air about one of my guys, but he could get the full mid-level at $9 million uh, for another team. That's a playoff contender. I think he deserves to get paid. The guys put in work the last couple seasons. He should get paid. Um, he he's more than a you know mid level exception at this point, which is crazy because he's so late in his career. Well, again, like sign and trade the George Hill. There's an eight point two million dollar trade exception from the Horford deal that Philly could use. Oh yeah, I forgot. There, about there are that. other ways to get him. I forgot about that. That okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, I guess there is that. Um, Uriah with Doug McDermott, I think he's out of the price range, but Danny Green would be nice to have to. Um, you know, obviously, sign and trade is an option with McDermott. I think he's worth a little bit more than 10 million, though, Chris. I think he'd probably make about 12 to 13 per year. Um, now, my two guys, my two guys, one of them is Otto Porter Jr. I've been a big fan of his, I think he makes sense. He's a young, he's 28. He's a 3 and D wing. He can be more if he's healthy. Hopefully he, he takes this offseason to get healthy. Um, I think he can be had on a mid-level, if not like a veteran's minimum. It depends on if he wants to play for contender or if he wants a bigger role. But having him off the bench playing both forward position minutes would be a big help for the Sixers. Big, long, athletic wing that can defend multiple positions would be great, especially – working under the assumption that Ben's not on the team for the whole next season. Uh, the other guy, now this this name is kind of like, you wouldn't think so, but I think, personally, I think his injury history hurts his value in free agency so much because he's been injured pretty much for the past three years, and that's Victor Oladipo. I think you could get him on the mid-level exception. Uh, taxpayers mid-level, which is $5.9 million. Now, he could go for more, and maybe a team will throw more at him, but I think... For his sake, he should take a vet's minimum. I mean, on a you know mid level, on a uh, contender, and prove to other teams that he's healthy and he can be healthy on a winning team, so that he can get a big payday next off season. That's just my thought. But his health is too risky to take a risk on. He, I mean, because he's taking. I mean, but if you roster space, and, I mean, but here's the thing: like, if you only pay the mid level, you can just use that as a trade filler if he's not healthy but like if he is healthy this could be an absolute steal for the sixers and free agency a three-level score that's a two-way player 
Yeah. I mean, how I would look at something like that is the Sixers are not, like, front-running for a lot of the bigger-name free agents, quote-unquote, who are going to be up for, like, a mid-level-ish deal. Like, P.J. Tucker, all those guys are probably going to re-sign with their teams. Philly, a lot of the vets are going to want to go to the Lakers or the Nets or, yeah. or a different team. Like, Philly's yeah. not, like, destination number one for a lot of those guys. So, I like Oladipo. I don't think he's going to take $6 million. That seems really low to me, even with all the injuries. Like, I, he's still... I feel like name could get him more, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, like it's not out of the realm of, you know, possibility. But even if it was like ten million, again, sign and trade for George Hill or whatever. Yeah, that, I mean, Miami would go for that because it's clear they're clearly aiming for Kyle Lowry. I don't think Oladipo's in there unless Oladipo's willing to take less for Miami. Which, I mean, he has been linked to them in the past, so maybe. But like, if Miami yeah. goes for like DeRozan and Lowry, which isn't out of the question because those two have been linked in free agency. I mean then where's Oladipo supposed to go? Yeah. Look, even if it's like a year for ten million, I like Oladipo, the upside there is pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I I'd be fine with that. That money's not going anywhere else terribly significant. I'd be like if he's healthy enough, he's definitely a rotation piece. It, it it's just a matter of him being on the floor. It's not like he's gonna not be good enough to play. It's yeah. just a matter of whether or not he will play. And I agree. Uh-huh. Worst case scenario, that's still like a trade chip. So I, I feel like if the Sixers strike out on some of the guys they're looking for, it's only the mid-level exception or or if it's George Hill trade or whatever. I'd be fine with that. I, I like the idea of it. I, Oladipo obviously can shoot the ball well enough, would give them like a, a dynamic driver and scorer on the perimeter, which they don't have a lot of outside of Tyrese, who may or may not be ready to play big minutes on a contender i hope he is yeah so i mean i, I like the idea I, I i think oladipo's an interesting name i i don't know how likely it would be i mean but... w- w- like i said i think if if miami goes for DeRozan and lowry which th- there seems to be momentum turning towards that and i think it's possible because i mean he already burned the bridge with houston and uh indiana I mean, unless he wants to go with LeBron, which... Yeah, just... <laughs> I mean, I think Dallas would be an interesting name if they strike out on Lowry and DeMar and whatever. Like, maybe Dallas gets I mean, a Dallas, yeah. deal. Maybe New Orleans, if they don't get Lowry, it's like, here's one year, $10 million or whatever. Like, like, there are some other teams that might yeah. be interested in him, but it's certainly an interesting name to think of. For sure. But I think, Chris, it's time for you to play us out. Alrighty. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in and giving us the time of week to talk Sixers. Uh, it would really help us out if you subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, leave a review, uh, a rating, all that stuff. You know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can go to our website, thesixersense.com. We are just about anywhere you can get us. Uh, we would really appreciate the help. You can follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. And we will be back later this week to talk more Sixers, presumably to talk about some free agents who did or did not sign with the team. Uh, So a lot coming up these next few days should be some very exciting, uh, a very exciting time for basketball debates. So we'll, we'll talk to you all then. Thanks, everyone.